Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, May 31st. And today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 65. We'll be starting with the third paragraph, which starts, We Went Back Through Our Lives that follows after the table. And we'll be reading for two paragraphs, ending on 66 with, and with us to drink is to die. Yesterday's reference numbers for the 7 a.m. number, for the 7 a.m. meeting, 11,475. That's 11475. Four seven five, and for the 10 a.m. share ID 11,477. That's one one four seven seven. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Lori W., would you please read the 12 steps of OA for us? It would be my pleasure. This is Lori W. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm happy to share the 12 steps of recovery with you. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Lori W. And Melissa C.K., would you please read the 12 traditions of OA for us? Good morning. <clears throat> this is Melissa C.K., compulsive overeater in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much for allowing me to do service. I pass. Thank you, Melissa C.K. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. At two minutes, 50 seconds, I will give a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the person speaking should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 65, starting with the third paragraph that begins, we went back through our lives, through two paragraphs, ending on page 66, with, and with us to drink is to die. And I will now ask Ms. Katie G., would you please get us started? 
I'd be delighted to, Maura. Good morning, my friends. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. We went back to our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse and then we stayed sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that must, might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And to us, to drink is to die. And I'm starting my timer. Wowza. These are some big pack paragraphs. I mean, the first thing that really hits me is, is that it's not that these angers, these resentments are just squandering the hours which might have been worthwhile. And I think about the hours in my childhood and adulthood and in collegehood in which the stories of the people who victimized me just, they just played and replayed and KDG and this person did that and this person did that. I mean, I remember, I mean, ever since I was a little girl being called to the guidance counselor's office, you know, I didn't know how to relate to other people. And, um, and I always seemed to get in trouble with people, with, with other little girls. I just, I, I, I couldn't play nicely. And, and when you wouldn't give me all your Barbies, I would take them and go home. I'd be like, I'm done. But the problem is, that's like, okay, maybe as an eight-year-old. But as an adult, if I'm continuing to do that, and I'm hating you because you have blonde hair or you have a husband or you have big boobs or, or you, you actually have done things that I think are, are ridiculous or whatever. You know, I'm the common denominator, you know, and I, it says I stay sore. Well, if I'm sore, if I'm operating from a place of soreness, then anything you do is going to bother me. And, um, I want to get back to this point, like fatal, grave, insanity, drink again, to, 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 to eat is to die. You know, so if you're on this line and, and you're trying to wrap your head around it, that feeling inside you that everyone is victimizing me, that this whole world is out to get me, I am the common denominator. And if I continue to feed off of the anger, I am going to eat. And if I eat, I am going to die. And if you're not convinced of that, that is okay. The food is going to convince you. Because my last binge, God willing, convinced me that the food and I, the food is going to win each and every time. And, um, you know, I just, I love the clarity of this, um, you know, and, and one thing that occurred to me is that um, to, everybody's talking about, you know, you don't need to be perfect and don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself even if you think that the resentments are, are, are silly or, you know, I, I, or, or awful. 
you know, I'm a skilled professional in healthcare and I work with adult and elderly patients and, and their names were on this list. Okay. So it's not about judging yourself because, oh, your resentment isn't pretty. Well, um, resentment is going to kill us. So let's not, let's not hold back because freedom on the other side, freedom, as they say, isn't free. And if I'm thorough and honest, I can get there with God's help if I'm willing to break open and be honest. So I'm going to just keep showing up one day at a time. What a privilege to be with all of you and to hear the solution. And with that, I do pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. Okay, lots to share on. Um, and if you would help me out by saying your name one time and one time only, and I will repeat back as soon as I hear the names. Who would like to share on what was read today? Please press Anna star M. one. Nancy H. Janice, Janice P. Janice P. M. Janice Larry, P. M. Larry K. Larry K. Marlon G. Sandy Marlon G. G. Nancy Nancy G. G. I heard. Uh, I heard. Wait, wait, wait. I heard a Sandy and a Nancy P. And we're going to stop there. Okay. Okay. This is what I've got. Nancy H. Janice P. M. Larry K. Harlan G. Sandy. I think it was B. And Nancy P. Nancy H., will you get us started, please? Thank you. I'd love to, Maura. Thank you for your service. This is Nancy H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. Um, there is a lot here. And the thing that struck me, many things struck me, um, that the world and its people were often wrong. I had a sponsor who once said to me, I want you to write this in the front of your big book. I want you to write, you will never have your own way again. And I thought that was pretty mind-boggling because I, I'm used to getting my own way. I didn't want to do that. And and I I could see the resentments in my life. I didn't think I was that resentful, but I could see the resentments. The big ones were against my ex-husband, who I called an alcoholic, who I didn't have the right to do. And I um, finally looked at, actually, it's just recently after all these years, I looked at the relationship and I said, oh, my God, this person didn't deserve to live with an addict. And so I made amends with him again. I had already done it. We're, we're actually good friends now. We were, and then I broke it off, but uh, things are going well. So uh, it says when harboring these, it, I always thought it was his fault. Everything was his fault, and the same with all other people in my life. And I, they wronged me, and I was going to pay him back. And then it says here, for when we harbored such resentment, such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the Spirit. And I always think about the sunlight of the spirit as being my guide. And I just know that if I uh, stick to what I'm, I'm doing, that the sunlight of the spirit, will. if I'm doing his will, God's will, it'll be there. And if I cut off that connection, I'm going to start eating again. And for me to eat is exactly what it says, to die. Um, the other thing is, uh, the more we fought to have our own way, the worse matters got. And I was always fighting to have my own way. I was always fighting to have them see it my way. And I went away mad, angry, because, um, you know, it was their fault, and they they screwed over. It screwed me over, you know. And so anyway, now I look at my part, and it's so my it's very um, informative to me when I do my 10 steps how I can be resentful and how it ruins my peace of mind. And I, I lowered my expectations on some people, and my serenity level rise, rose, as it says in the book. 
So for me, I don't want to return. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to, you know, I'm a sick person, but I'm not sick as I used to be because I'm dealing with every one of those resentments. And I don't want to waste my life being a resentful person. So I thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. Janice PM, it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Well, good morning to you, Mara Z. This is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Wow, wow, wow. Um, you know, boy, I used to blame everybody. I wanted everybody to change. Everybody needed to change. And, you know, I used to call it the blaming game. But, you know, this is a message of hope. When you think of it and you go through these steps, it's, it's great that, I don't, that other people don't have to change, that I can just change myself. That's a message of hope for me because I tried for years changing this one and that one and, and blaming them for how I felt, how I was carrying along like a ball in the chain, the resentment, the poor me. Oh, my father, why did he marry the third time? I, he's going he's gonna, to... Uh, uh, cheat me out of the, the, the business and this and that. This is a light. When I carry this deep resentment around, not only with my family, but even with people on the, on, on, the, on the line here, I was hurting who? I wasn't hurting them. They didn't even know that I re- resented them. It was my own. I was hurting myself. You know the saying, I was taking the poison. They, were, they didn't even know what was happening. And, and, and that, you know, to retaliate, you know, is is a punishment for myself. That's the only one I'm punishing. And the deep resentment was it always turned right back to me. What was my, what was the cause of my resentment? Either I was selfish, either I was fear, either I was um, um, uh, you know jealous, you know the criticism. That was the resentment, and it brought futility, unhappiness, no peace. And you know, to me, that's the goal, the aim to get a spiritual awakening and be peaceful and serene. And I had to do a lot of praying for a lot of people, you know, and wish them when they told me to, to pray for them and say, you know, you wish for their health, their happiness, their prosperity. I said, you have to be kidding me. You don't know what they did to me. But, you know, it worked. So we are the cause. We permit this. They didn't do it. We permitted it in our own mind. And that's a waste of time. And what a freedom when we can, when that resentment is removed, you know, because the purpose is to grow in the spirit of the sunlight. That resentment is a huge block. Oh, my goodness. I was, it, it, it was fatal, you know, and it's an unlimited, unlimitedly grave. And that's not just grave. It's un, infinitely grave which is, has no end. So yes. And the most, the purpose is that it harbors, it harbors, it, it just latches on to, um, to blocking the sunlight to my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM. Larry Kay in Chicago land. It's your turn. Followed by Harlan G. Yes, yes, yes. That's me. (laughs) Thanks for your service, Maura. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here, I'm going to time myself, so I'll take you off the hook. Okay, um, so here's the beauty of step four. It, you know, it's only as I recognize this incongruence, you know, meaning the words that come out of my mouth were, were always at odds with my actions. It's only through that 
identification of incongruence that I first begin to move towards a, a some sort of spiritual resolution and a, and a complete change, a complete revision of the concept of self. And, and this was one of the major ways in which a God-centered change becomes possible. I had to do this this dig, this archaeological dig, and there and and you know, and a complete integration of the self. You know, in my the, the change in my thinking, it becomes transformed later on. And they begin to merge together. And what I began to uncover in step four was just how incongruent I was capable of being. And as I began to explore my resentments and later the fears and so forth, you know, the common denominator, oh, that was, um, I don't know, me, <laughs> you know, in any sort of relationship, I lack congruence. In other words, I was unable to communicate and behave in an open, authentic, and genuine way, you know, with any consistency. And this was absolutely essential if I was going to, if I wanted to have relationships, sustainable relationships with other human beings. And what was so tragic for someone like me and maybe so many others was I had a difficult time finding meaning in my life living that way. And I was disconnected from my creator. And, And my life purpose became real cloudy. So the question becomes, where and how do I find a distinct and definable approach to to facilitate this constructive change in a troubled guy like me? Well, that's through this process of recovery, starting with this uncovering this stuff. And I don't want to miss the antecedent. You know, let me see. An antecedent is the thing that must precede the next thing, right? I don't want to miss the antecedent. So, for example, if I still have cookie dough in my ears, coming out of my ears, I've missed the necessary antecedent to proceed to step four or step three or step two (laughs) because I've got frosting in my hair. So if you're like me, because I did, the cookie dough, just a little bit of cookie dough was smeared on my face. You could barely see it. It was barely perceptible. And then I'm trying to work step four. Forget about it, Maura. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. You're killing me, Smalls. Thank you, Larry. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Sandy B. Thank you, Maura. We are not a glum lot. We are not. Now I've got to try to work the word antecedent into my pitch here, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to do it. I don't know. I'm Harlan G. Mora. I'm a, a recovered compulsive old reader in Scottsdale, Arizona. Sam Shoemaker was the rector at the cavalry mission in New York City. He was the front man for the Oxford group in New York. And Sam Shoemaker had a tremendous influence on Bill and the rest of the boys. And Sam Shoemaker taught the boys that there were four impediments to God. And in order for me to live free of the food, I'm going to have to have a vital spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. An impediment is something which stops or slows progress. The four impediments to God are a resentment that I will not let go of, a secret I will not tell, a vicarious thrill I will not stop, and a restitution that I will not make. And if I do, if I hang on to those things, I will eat again. It is a certainty. Why will I eat again? There's a lot of people out there that are angry that don't compulsively overeat. But their brains are not wired like mine. 
because when I shut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit by harboring, harboring means to give safe haven to these feelings, I've blocked God out. God can't get in there. He can't get in there when I have a mind fettered with resentment and hatred and get even and revenge and all this other stuff. My God, the clamor of that, the buildup of human emotions, which is the problem in the first place, is going to trigger the mental twist because the discomfort, the pain of not eating in those moments is too much for me to bear. And my mind will seek out an Oreo cookie in search of relief from the unbearable pain of not eating. And when I'm not full of resentment, and the only way I'm not going to be full of resentment is to do the work here, when I'm not full of fear and dread and jealousy and all those emotions, the urge to eat simply does not come upon me. I am just as resentful as anybody or more so than others, just as jealous, just as feelings of inadequacy, just as, any, just as human as the next person. And I am a compulsive overeater. But for 19 years, the obsessive thought of compulsive overeating has not come upon me because I worked these steps and I have been released happily. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Sandy B., it is your turn, followed by Nancy B. Hi, this is Sandy D. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay. Um, this is Sandy D., recovered in Illinois. And uh, when I heard Katie share about the common denominator, I just had to take my seat um, because it wasn't until I came into vision I'd been doing uh, the 12 step for three years but when I came into vision in August I realized how much I was the common denominator uh, living in a life of self-pity um, the line that struck me the most from this reading is it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness a lot of my 12-step friends from three years ago told me that I was one of the angriest people that they'd ever met. And it wasn't really until I did the fourth step that I uncovered the reasons for that anger and allowed the anger to dissipate. And um, self-knowledge is the path to personal freedom. The steps give me directions and help me to cope with anything I encounter along the way. I am so extremely grateful because I spent 43 years living with addicts, trying to outwit them, uh, trying to get them to come along with my better plan, and it just led to a life of futility and resentment. And I guess coming into vision, I, I found out that the addict was me, and that gave me such compassion and forgiveness for the relationships that I had. And uh, I would just totally encourage any new person that's out there to hang with it because if this old dog can get it, uh, anybody can. And thanks. And with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Sandy B. Nancy P., it is your turn. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so this, I love this par these paragraphs um, because it talks about sort of the complacency of disease. When I was eating, I was enraged and I spent decades enraged and I was jealous and I spent decades being jealous. Um, I was jealous of people in, in the program that seemed to have what I wanted, but I couldn't get it. And I was enraged at people both in and out of program because they weren't enraged, but they were wrong. And what I came to find out is, you know, this is what I did. I concluded that others were wrong. And that was as far as I got because I didn't, ha I didn't work the steps. So I stayed sick. And, um, you know, the usual outcome was that people continued to wrong me and I stayed sore. And I could, it was like a hopeless, helpless cycle that I was going in. And I felt like a, a fly in a spider's web. I was beating my wings and trying, kicking my legs. And, you know, I mean, I've seen movies of, you know, um, psychiatric wards where they have to sedate people that do things like that. And that's what I needed. I needed the sedation. Um, I needed to be sedated, and instead, I just continued to eat and I continued to stay sick until I came into vision. And you know, I used to say, you know, when I was angry at people, I would say, "Well, I'm going to use the force of my personality to win this argument," and that was just, you know, code for being obnoxious. And um, you know, today I don't do that anymore. Today I, I actually try to listen far more than I talk. Um, and I can say that I'm, I'm no longer in that space, but I'm still feeling my way. And thank goodness for the fellowship of this program, because I call people and I do spot checks daily, uh, you know, as needed at night, I do them, you know, I, I do a, on review. And, you know, I have to say that I finally, um, it's really second nature to me, even though I don't like it to see where I'm wrong. And um, it's not such a hard, bitter pill to swallow anymore because I'm, you know, I do it within a process of working with steps. So thank you for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Okay, so as a reminder, here we are. We are in the chapter. How it works. We are on page 65, the third paragraph that starts, We Went Back to Our Lives. We are reading through two paragraphs, ending on page 66, with, and with us to drink is to die. And who would like to share, giving me your first name and last initial one time? Thank you. Barbara G. Zero. Melissa C. Leah M. I think I heard Reva, Melissa, Leah, Barbara, Chrissy. Okay, this is who I got. And I know there was a whole lot more voices, but it was all in one bunch. Reva P., I think. Melissa C., Leah M., Barbara E., Chrissy G., maybe? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, then. Uh, Reva P., would you please get us started? Thank you. Followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, so here we are in step four where I'm starting to write the columns. And what these paragraphs um, remind me is if I stay in columns one, two, and three too long and I harbor and sit with the irritation 
and complaining um, and justified anger, even in step four. If I stay there too long, I have a warning that I'm going to pick up again because I can't afford justified anger and resentment. And you know, I can't, I can't tolerate certain food ingredients and substances. And because I'm a real compulsive overeater, I can't tolerate justified being right kind of resentment and anger. Um, it just doesn't work. And I end up in a vicious cycle uh, where I try harder to make people do what I want them to do, what I think they should do, even if it's for their own good. And I just make everything worse and I get more miserable and the food gets louder. And I guess what I'm learning lately, which is not exactly on step four, but when I really get to the next page where I look at that fourth column and where am I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened, I'm realizing my resentments are based on delusions. They're based on false beliefs. And unless I complete the process and keep going with this, complete you know, four and go all the way to nine, I don't even see that. I just think I'm right. And I'm in this self-perpetuated misery. Um, so yeah, it's just a great reminder to, to move on even within the step four and look at where have I made the mistake in my faulty thinking? Because at this point, I can't differentiate the true from the false. And only by going through the whole process do I get that. And with that, I pass. Sorry, caught me off guard. Thank you, Reva P. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Leah M. Hi. Good morning, Maura. Thank you for your service. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And um, so I, I thought that I was entitled to hang on to the resentments that, um, that I was right. You know, okay, I could understand letting go of the ones that, well, didn't really make sense and maybe I wasn't so right after all. But, um, no, it's all the resentments. It's, it's even the ones and definitely the ones where I am 100% certain that I am right, that I was wrong, that you screwed me, and um, those are the ones that kill. Those are the ones that really take me down the most. I'm in the greatest danger when I'm right, when I really believe I'm right. And, you know, I, I think um, there was like two parts to me. There was like the half dead, half asleep, comatose, you know, Melissa, and then there was the one who would wake up every now and then, and when I woke up, um, I was full of all this anger, all this emotion, all these resentments, and and I kind of got off on it. There was like a charge, you know, if I was right, and um, and I had this resentment, I could I could gather up my troops, I could discuss it with the people that were going to agree with me 100%. Um, and it would get all fueled up inside like a drug, like I was intoxicated. And, like, I remember, you know, I would be pissed off at my sister, and, boy, I'd get on the phone with my mother, and my mother would agree with me, and I would be all fueled up. And, you know, the problem for me is that I'm an addict, and so um, that fueling up leads me right to the food, and to eat is to die. You know, it's just that clear. And, you know, so... I, I function in a world with lots of things that are wrong. You know, according to me, they look quite wrong. And 
but I can't engage, I can't hang on to um, to how wrong they are. Like, I must turn that page, and um, I can't afford to live in resentment. So, you know, I work in, I work in a school district. It, it appears broken to me, and um, but I can't gather around with um, other people in the teacher's room and bitch about it because that will kill me. I will return to the food, you know, and to eat is to die. And so thank God I've got this process where um, I kind of divorce myself from right and wrong thinking. You know, the resentment is, is what's wrong, not the issue. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah M., it is your turn, followed by Barbara E. Thank you so much for your service. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got, and sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. You know, my big book teaches me that um, to get over compulsive overeating, uh, is going to take a transformation of my thought and my thoughts and my attitudes. And this process, which is so simple and so powerful um, and quick, um, is you know the ticket to the to the uh, beginning of freedom. Of course, the inventory process is steps four through nine. You know, in in my own personal experience and in working with compulsive overeaters for uh, three decades. Um, compulsive overeaters are infamous to me um, in that, you know, everything's fine. I'm, I'm really just, you know, uh, you know, feeling people have a hard time oftentimes getting in t- touch with that anger because it's so suppressed. Under the heavy anesthetic of compulsive overeating, there was perfect security, numbness, kind of cut off with all connections, with reality, and with life itself, it's like we don't want to hurt people. You know, different than alcoholics. Alcoholics are a lively bunch. Compulsive overeaters, I find, they smile a lot and say everything's fine. So, you know, when we when encouraged and prodded, you know, where were you feeling injured? Where are you feeling violated, left out? Uh, you know, where did life not go your way? The what ifs and the if onlys, you know, if this had happened or if this hadn't happened, because the victimhood uh, role gets its power from resentments. You know, underneath that feeling bad and the remorse that the big book talks about, sometimes it was remorse and then we restored ourselves, there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of resentment. And once that's kind of prodded a little bit, like, like you poke some, uh, you know, embers, the flame begins to go and then we can really get to work. We can really get to work and, you know, my experience was this was the beginning of turning me completely inside out because this self-centered thinking of mine had given me emotional twists which had discolored my personality, affected all my relationships around me, and altered my life for the worse. There's no question about that. So this process began 
began to give me an understanding and working with others how I became the person I was, how I formulated the ideas, beliefs, and attitudes that governed the way I was acting. And once that was revealed, underneath the underneath, I could see the cancer (laughs) because the tentacles were rooted in my very soul, the marrow of my bones, which, of course, shaded me from the sunlight of the spirit. And it was this process that made my life brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and continues to do so. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Barbara E., it is your turn, followed by Chrissy G. Thank you so much. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. And isn't it wonderful? There are 348 people on this meeting. If you're a newcomer, jump in. The water is warm. I knew for myself I only had three choices in life, to give up, to give in, or give it all I've got. I can't change the wind, but I can change the direction of my sails. And step four is where I began to learn about those sails and my inability to change the wind. My character liabilities were toxic, like carbon monoxide got gases that can kill me as I sleep and everyone in my orbit too. This again is where step four comes in. But I had to use Brillo on my soul. I had to be fearless. Sure, I can be a loving, kind, tolerant person, but I can also be unloving, cold, and intolerant. When I came in, I wanted to only lose weight and keep it off but my soul was consumed by anger and the harms that had been done to me. I was plagued by those three Fs I heard about. Fight you, flee you, or freeze into total agreement with you. I was filled with resentments. When my self-esteem was affected, I would show you. That's where the fourth column came in. Uh, That's where it was done. How did I react to all these resentments and fears? What I was the common thread. I was told to do my inventories and to do them fast and not procrastinate and not worry about doing them perfectly. There was no prize given me, no award I could hang on the wall for the perfect fourth step. Just do it, Barbara. A few days, no more. If I didn't use that Brillo I mentioned, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, and 12 would never be achieved. Those promises would never come true. I truly wanted that sunlight of the spirit. And I, in order to get that, I had to do all those preceding chapters. I couldn't waste time arguing what a good person should be and just be one. That is the path. Just quit arguing and be one. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Chrissy G., it is your turn. Good morning, Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater in New York, moving to New York. Um, I'll be Chrissy G. from New York. <laughs> I... Um, think about this because I was the type of compulsive overeater who, like Leah said, was not so in touch with my feelings and my anger. And, you know, I, I 
pretended or, or I deceived myself into thinking that I didn't hold grudges and I didn't, I didn't hold resentments. You know, I sort of, you know, was this peace, peace lover and just, you know, okay, go in peace. You know, if someone didn't, didn't want to be a part of my life anymore. And that's usually what it came down to was a relationship that ended. That's, that's where, um, I had to look at those relationships that ended and did I hold a resentment towards those people that I was estranged estranged from, you know, did I did I blame them for the end of the relationship and and um abandoning me? And the bottom line was that what I would do is I would I, I had to learn this about myself that I would just cut someone out of my life and 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 pretend as if I wasn't angry and it never happened and it was a real thick layer of denial and I I had to see that those people that I thought I felt indifferent towards if if I if I was not harboring some some positive intentions for them, then I was, I was resentful for them. So it was like a more towards them. It was like a more subtle, it was like a more subtle form for me because I wasn't the kind of person that went on rampages and, and felt like uh, scorned and went around complaining about people all the time. That, that just wasn't my way. It's not to say that I didn't, I didn't character assassinate in my head and I didn't judge people. I just wasn't as conscious of it because it was more of an internal thing. So, so for me, I have to be really careful about examining those things, you know, and also pulling the wool over my eyes because, you know, in my fantasy, I'm, I'm this good, you know, Catholic girl who forgives and, and all you know all of this stuff this is this is the story i I've been told about myself and that I've come to believe and the truth of the matter is it's it, there's anger hidden under the layers of uh indifference Simple reminder and with that, I'll pass thank you thank you Chrissy G. okay, we have time for three three minute shares. Who would like those shares? Therese P. from Montana. Therese P. Faith M. Somebody M. Faith. 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 F is in father. A I T H. Faith. Oh, Faith. Yes. I thought so. Beautiful. Who else? One De- more. Deborah E. from North Carolina. De- Deborah E. Okay, let's go. Therese P. followed by Faith M. and Deborah E. Therese, please go ahead. This is Therese P. Thank you so much for letting me share. Um, I guess what I was thinking about was the part in the big book that says that um, we have this choice. We can live a spiritual life or die an alcoholic death. Uh, that's just a paraphrase. Um, and it reminds me that for me, like sometimes I'll get in my head and think living in 10 and 11 and 12 is hard work. 
it takes a lot, especially in this particular point in my recovery. Um, but what are my choices? My choices are to accept this program and work it and do the best that I can or die, you know. And today I, I want to live. I want to not give up. I want to give it all I got and do everything that I can um, because I, today I don't have those, like when resentments crop up, I can, I have a program and I can work my program and I can, um, you know, remove those problems so that I'm not picking up the food. And I'm so incredibly grateful uh, that I don't have to do that today, that I can live today and really live. You know, it talks about squandering the hours. There were so many hours that I squandered um, just thinking about, and I didn't even know, like it was on this very unconscious level, all these resentments that were just like boiling under the surface. And now I have a program that I can deal with those things and let them go and actually be free and live my life. Um, So thank you so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Therese. Faith M., it's your turn, followed by Deborah E. Hi, I'm Faith. I'm very grateful for recovering compulsive reader. And um, I'm actually from the West Coast, but I'm on the East Coast for the next few days, and so I'm calling in and just really happy to hear um, all the shares and the reading. And, um, you know, it's just funny. I'm actually in the middle of my fourth step. And, um, you know, I'm not doing it. I've kind of been a big book thumper for all these years, and um, I'm doing it through the OA 12 and 12, which I really resisted. But what I found is that, you know, it's not like you're not going to go over your resentments, you know, whatever format you use. But, you know, one of the things that, that has been coming up throughout it is that we'd have to stop because I'd have to do many four steps on people I have resentments about. And, um, you know, some of them were really old, and I just wanted to share that, you know, I um, had some really painful events happen when I was, like, in 7th and 8th grade. And, you know, I just turned 51 in December, so I'll be I'm halfway through to becoming 52. So that's a lot of years. And I thought I had gone over these things in my fourth step before, and maybe they had come up. But I actually had to go over every single aspect relating to these events that happened. So it was my parents, the school, the teachers, the kids, you know. And by the time I finished reading that, it was just like, wow, you know, this format never fails, you know, and, and I'm just so grateful, you know, to have these rooms and to have this program because, you know, this and this business of, you know, I love the part when it said, you know, that, you know, this to know that other people were wrong was as far as, as far as we got. And when I find myself getting into resentment, boy, it starts with you're wrong, you know, and you know, my life cannot be around everybody being wrong. You know, it just can't. You know, that is so not, um, then I'm in prison. Then I'm no longer focusing on me because I've got, you know, all these daggers that I'm pointing at everybody else. And, um, you know, I think that for me, what I'm really, what, what this program reminds me of and brings me to is this piece of, this sense of peace and freedom that I can have 
when I'm actually not engaging in other people's lives to the point where I've got to make you wrong and you're going to stay wrong. You know, and, and I tell you, that was the hardest thing to let go of was that, you know, that there was a part that I played, uh, even in holding on to the resentment against that, you know, that 30-something-year-old that event. You know, I just did not understand how powerful, powerful, powerful recovery from those old resentments would be, you know, and it's just bringing me to a different sense of gratitude that I, you know, I, I really, really reminder. needed. Thanks so much for letting me share. I appreciate it, everybody. Thank you, Faith M. And Deborah E., it's your turn. Thank you so much. Um, this is Deborah E., a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And um, yes, these paragraphs are just so powerful for me. I, I it, took, it has taken me forever to make this connection. Um, when I was in, in my disease, um, I was always evaluating my insides by other people's outsides, and I always came up short, and I um, I resented them for that. You know, I just assumed that their their lives were great, and, and I couldn't um, figure out why the the craziness I thought the craziness in my head that everybody shared that and they just dealt with it a whole lot better than I did um, and and so I never made the connection though between all these resentments I had and the eating and um, you know I know you know Harlan talks about the buildup of emotions and the first time I heard that I thought oh my gosh that that's not true for me. That's not true. I eat because I just, that's just what I do. I just eat. But it is true for me. And when I look back at every time I've left program, every time I've lost my recovery in this program, it's it's been something that has, I've just been, well, this irritated me. This bothered me. This is a resentment. And I don't care anymore. I'm just going to eat. It was my answer to everything, and um, that was a, a big connection for me. And realizing that this business is fatal um, for me, um, I take that real seriously today. I don't want to have resentments in my life. And um, you know what I realized every time, and it was pointed out to me again this week uh, with one of my resentments: I want my way. You know, other people are not following my script. And most of the time, I don't even realize I have a script until it's not followed. Um, and then I have a resentment. And to me today, that's a red flag that that's something I need to deal with. And um, so I'm just, I'm very grateful today for the peace that this program gives me because this 12 steps give me a way to deal with, with resentments and not have the buildup of emotions. So grateful for that today. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Deborah E. We have less than a minute to go. Um, is there someone that has a burning desire for less than a minute? Yes, this is Marion H. Please go ahead. Hi, my name is Marion and H. Thank you so much for allowing me to to share and for doing service. I I just love love this meeting and all of you. I know that um, I haven't been able to listen to the whole uh, 
thing this morning. But what I got out of it is that when a long, long time ago I was in rehab and I came home and I I finally realized that the only person that I could change is me, not my husband who I was trying to change for many, many years. And thank God because of the program I stopped doing that and I'm so, so grateful. And the only person that God would want me to change is myself because my husband is very happy the way he is and he doesn't want to change. And for me, fighting and wanting to change all those years was such a waste. So I'm so grateful that I finally realized that. And only due to the vision and to staying in the the program that, that I'm aware of that. So I thank you for letting me share that. And everyone have a beautiful, blessed, abstinent day. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Marion H. And now it is time to close the meeting. So Marion was our last share for the day. Um, and FYI, today's share ID is 11,479. That's 11479. And at our peak, we were 351 strong today. So yay us for sharing the message. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And Ms. Mary B., would you please read for us? Thank you very much, Mara, for your service. And thank you for the opportunity to be of service to this great meeting on Team Thursday. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.